Okay, today we are again going to get into God's Word, and we're going to um, finish our series on looking at going deeper in prayer together. Um, But obviously, this isn't the end of going deeper in prayer. Hopefully, this has been stirring us all and challenging us about what it means to go deeper and what it is to be a people that um, commit our lives to prayer. My prayer is that the Holy Spirit has stirred something afresh in you about what it means to pray, to come before our gracious, loving Heavenly Father. I mean, it's wonderful to hear Joe's testimony even this morning. I've just taken that time and, and think about what does it mean actually to come before our Heavenly Father and just to actually just share our heart with him. Just share what is on our hearts, the things that might worry us, things that we might be anxious about. And as we do that, we experience his peace and his presence. You know, I think this has been a very timely um, preaching series, and I, I've really enjoyed being reminded of you know, how we can come into his presence, how we have a God who is drawing us and it's like beckoning us into his presence as his children, reminding us how wonderful it is to know him, to seeing prayer as, as more than just a list of demands or a a set formula, but rather this interaction between a loving, gracious father and his children, that he desires that. You know, it's been really refreshing to be reminded of that. But we've also spent some time looking at prayer being much more than that, a a time where we can come before God and we can intercede. We can intercede for those around us. We can intercede on behalf of them to our, our gracious Father. For people that we know that aren't Christians, we can come before God and we can ask that he would do something to draw people, others, to himself. It's been a wonderful time to look at how... We can come to God with our difficult questions, with our questions about things that we experience, the pain and suffering around us, and that despite the brokenness and the hurt that we see, we're still able to face these challenges with patience, with peace, with joy and perseverance through the power and strength that comes through Jesus, that we find in Jesus as we walk the walk. And then finally last week, we're encouraged to never stop seeking, never stop eating jelly beans, never stop asking our faithful and good God, because he is a great and generous God, who is wanting to lavish good gifts, and he's wanting us to know his favor 
on us. So what now, as we come to the end, what encouragement does the Lord has for us this morning? What can we take away this morning as we come to him? So let's pray and just commit this time to him. I don't know, can you still hear me? Okay. Father God, we thank you that you've been here by your presence this morning. And I just pray that you would use my words to speak to each of our hearts of the things that you want us to hear this morning as we finish this series on going deeper in prayer. Jesus, I pray, open our hearts and our minds to your truth that we may walk in greater freedom and assurance of who we are as your children. Amen. Okay, so the first thing I wanted to say, and possibly my main point, is never give up. Never give up praying. As we go deeper in prayer, God is encouraging each of us never to give up. And the, way, the thing I base that on is what Jesus says in Luke 18. Jesus tells a parable, and he tells his parable to his disciples. Luke 18, verse 1, says this, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable. And Jesus told parables to teach the disciples how to live as Christians, how to outwork their Christian life on a daily basis, and he told them in parables in order that they might understand. So Jesus, in verse 1, told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. That they should always pray and not give up. Jesus wanted his disciples to understand that they should always pray. Why? Because there would be times when they'd be tempted not to pray. There are times, even when Jesus was still alive, that the disciples were tempted not to pray. And if you can think of the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus went and prayed. And the disciples were tempted not to pray. And in fact, they fell asleep. Jesus knew that there would be a temptation not to pray. So he told this parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. So Jesus himself encourages us to always pray and never give up. Because it's easy to give up. When prayers don't get answered, it's very easy to throw the towel in. You know, what's the point? We can start to think things like, you know, actually, maybe God isn't interested in me. You know, we can start to think, well, maybe God doesn't care. God isn't interested. You know, it's very easy for us to believe things that aren't true if we find our prayers seemingly don't seem to be answered. Do you know where these thoughts come from? Well, those thoughts are not from God. They're from the one, the father of lies, the one who wants to trip us up, the one who wants to tell you that God doesn't exist or that God doesn't care. 
But the truth is, God does care. God does hear your prayers. God is faithful. Prayer does work. Prayer is powerful and effective. You know, prayer is the most powerful weapon of defense. But it's also the most powerful weapon of offense. Prayer brings you close to the one who created you, who loves you, who delights in you. Prayer is the thing that sets your feet upon the rock that steadies your soul and keeps you steadfast and confident in the faithfulness of God. It's prayer that does that. It's communion with our Heavenly Father. It's talking and dialoguing with Him. Prayer enables the lighthouse of your soul to shine brightly with hope to those around you. That's what prayer does. Prayer is the rocket that launches us into the galaxy of opportunities. This parable in Luke 18 is the parable of the persistent widow. This lady who keeps coming to this judge for mercy because she is experiencing persecution from her adversaries. We don't know anything about it. It's just, it's all we know. But this judge doesn't say anything. He doesn't um, help. In fact, he keeps saying no because she has to keep going back to him. But because of her persistence, because of her perseverance, the judge eventually shows mercy. And what Jesus says from this parable, he says, will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones, for his children, the ones he loves, who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice, is what Jesus says. And this is our hope as God's children. But you know, it's always in God's timing, God's way, and his outworking. You know, we have a loving and merciful Heavenly Father whose heavenly riches, when sought after through prayer, are far more valuable and precious than one act of mercy from an unjust and rapacious judge. Jesus encourages us to always pray and not give up. Why? Because God brings about justice for his chosen ones, his children. And that is what we are. We are his chosen ones. We are his children. He is for us and will bring about justice for us. But sometimes it's hard to just keep on trusting him to deliver us. There may be days when we just don't feel like praying at all. You know, we just don't feel like praying. And that's okay. Because God knows. And when we have nothing to bring to him, he's okay with that. He's okay with that. Our God is okay when we have nothing to bring to him. Because our God has everything. He has everything that he can give to us. 
You know, spending time in those moments of just silence, of groaning, those times when we really have nothing to bring, is the times when the ministering of his Holy Spirit is what supernaturally can encourage us and build us up and impart faith into our hearts. The moments that give us hope and the strength to overcome. You know, it's amazing the love and peace that comes into our hearts the moments we just stop and the moment that we trust in him. You know, I think it's no coincidence that Joe should share that testimony this morning. I think God is wanting to say something to us this morning about stopping and just coming to him. It's not about doing, it's about being. It's about being children, enjoying our heavenly Father's embrace. That picture that Michaela shared. God's wanting to speak to all of us, I think, about what it means to come into his presence, to know his embrace. He loves us with an everlasting love. If you have difficulty connecting with God, and even this morning, then there's a, a psalm in the Bible which I think is a powerful psalm which helped one particular person connect with God. And that person is David, King David. And David didn't always have it easy. In fact, a lot of his life he spent running away from Saul because Saul was chasing him to kill him. That's not that much fun to be enduring, experiencing that kind of oppression. Yet David knew what it was to know God's love. He knew God's heart for him. And this psalm, Psalm 23, is David's testimony of that personal experience and relationship with God. And I think it gives us a real insight into his prayer life. And the great thing of Psalm 23, it's not about them and it's not about the great sort of powerful things that David's going to do for God. It's a personal relationship between him and God. And this is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, I think David really captured something of the knowledge of the love that God had for him. 
both in his head and in his heart. He knew he was loved by God. He knew something of what it meant to dwell in the house of the Lord. What a testimony of knowing the confidence that God restores. God is the one that restores his soul. Do you know the Lord beside you today? And if the answer is no, then can I exhort you to turn to prayer, to turn to him. You know, we can turn to God any time, any place, anywhere. Which reminds me of a 1970s advert for Martini. Any time, any place, anywhere. But Jesus isn't the only one who encourages us to pray, as he did in the parable. We find many of Paul's letters full of encouragements, full of exhortations for us to pray, to come before God. You know, and I think prayer, you know, this whole series is the key to unlocking things of the kingdom of God. It's a key. And, you know, I just think God is trying to, you know, speak to us this morning and trying to get our attention. You know, in the word of God, this is what Paul says to the church in Thessalonica, in Thessalonians 5.16. Paul encouraged the church to pray continually Never stop praying, to keep praying. In Ephesians, Paul says to the church in Ephesus, 6.18, to pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. He says with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And... He also encourages the Romans, uh, in the book of Romans, to be faithful in prayer, and the Colossians to remain steadfast in prayer. And Luke, Luke also in the book of Acts, tells us that the early church devoted themselves to prayer. Prayer is very important. You know, we journey with God on the path that he marks out by praying and seeking him and seeking his kingdom to outwork his purposes for our life. You know, prayer moves mountains. It does. Do you believe that? It topples kingdoms. Prayer can topple kingdoms, spiritual and earthly. So let's not give up praying. And turning to God for strength, for power, for peace, for compassion, for joy. And you know there's joy to be found as we seek God in prayer. There is joy to be found. As we never give up praying, the one thing I've noticed actually about Scripture is that prayer was often associated with being full of joy and being thankful, which I sometimes find quite strange. You know, particularly verses in the Bible which say, um, consider it pure joy, 
when you face trials of many kinds. It just doesn't seem right, really. But you know, joy is not about being happy. The joy in the Bible is associated with knowing God and knowing his purposes, knowing that he is alive, that Jesus came. You know, Romans 12, verse 12 says, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Joyful in hope, faithful in prayer. Hebrews 12, 2 says, um, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. The joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And then 1 Thessalonians 5.16, read earlier, rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing. And Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition. Notice the connection between rejoicing and prayer. You know, joy, why are we joyful? Okay, firstly, because we know the joy of having a loving Father who is for us and with us. That's where the joy comes from. Because we know we have a loving Father who's for us and not against us. Secondly, because we have the joy of hope, a hope, a confidence that Jesus will return. That is true. Jesus will return, that one day all of our troubles, all of the suffering and persecution and death will be no more. That is the hope. That is our joy. That is where our joy is in. It's in this hope and this wonderful confidence that we have that all those things will be no more. We're not joyful in our afflictions. We're joyful in the one who gives us peace in the midst of our afflictions. As Philippians goes on to say, that we, that we know the peace of God which transcends, which goes beyond, which is greater than we could ever understand. And that will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. So we never give up praying. And as we do, we find that joy in God and our hearts are full of thanks and praise. Now, I just want to read something um, from Charles Spurgeon, which I often refer to him because I think he explains things so beautifully when it comes to uh, biblical foundations. And he says this speaking on the 1 Thessalonians verse that says, Rejoice evermore and pray without ceasing. And he ties the two in beautifully. He says this, The position of the text, pray without ceasing, is very suggestive. Observe what it follows. It comes immediately after the precept, Rejoice evermore. As if that command had somewhat staggered the reader and made him ask the question, how can I always rejoice? And therefore, the Apostle Paul appended an answer, always pray. 
See the connection. The more praying, the more rejoicing. The more praying, the more rejoicing. Prayer, and I think this is the wonderful key, prayer gives a channel to the pent-up sorrows of the soul. They flow away. Isn't that beautiful? And in their place, streams of sacred delight pour into the heart. Streams of sacred delight pour into the heart. Holy joy and prayer act and react upon each other. And then he says, what, observe what follows the text. In everything, give thanks. When joy and prayer are married together, their firstborn child is gratitude. Beautiful. When we joy in God for what we have and believingly pray to him for more, then our souls thank him, both in the enjoyment of what we have and in the prospect of what is yet to come. The kingdom has come, but yet is still being revealed. The kingdom has come and is still being revealed. Our souls thank him both for what we have and what he continues to reveal. We can know joy because we've received the kingdom of God in Jesus Christ. We've received Jesus. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our confidence. In everything we do, in everything we are, Jesus is it. He is the hope of the world. He is our confidence. He is the one in whom we stand on our foundation in which we will go on living our lives. He is the good news for us as individuals, us as a church. He's the good news for this community, for this borough, this nation, for this world. Jesus is the joy that we have that we are saved. You know, as Christians, we live in a time when the kingdom of God has come. Jesus has risen from the dead. Amen? Isn't that good news? He's alive. You know, Jesus is alive. That's our joy. You know, death has lost its power. Jesus has won a victory over sin Yours, mine, you know that sin nailed to a cross and it no longer separates us from our heavenly father. We have that great relationship. We have a a husband in Christ. We have a father in our heavenly father who is devoted to us. He dotes over us. He just wants to lavish his love on us. You know, we have this hope of eternal life, that one day we'll be united with him in person. But we live in an age where God's kingdom is found in you and me, but is still yet being revealed. And God wants to use each and every one of us to advance that kingdom. It's a kingdom that's come, but is still being revealed. A kingdom of love, of forgiveness, of grace, 
of mercy. I don't know about you, but we don't often see a lot of that around. And we need to draw from his Holy Spirit to be his instruments, to see the outworking of his kingdom, to demonstrate love to the people around us, forgiveness, grace, people of grace, because we have received the grace of God. This kingdom, this kingdom where love conquers hate. Love your enemies. I think that's the most difficult command of Jesus to outwork, which is why we need God's Spirit. You know, we demonstrate, we advance the kingdom when we're able to say, you know what, I forgive you to somebody who has hurt us very deeply. What a demonstration of God's kingdom. That's how the kingdom advances. When we extend a hand to somebody in need. You know, and yeah, God has an unlimited capacity an unlimited amount of grace and favor and love for each one of us. And he wants us to be those channels for him. A kingdom where love conquers hate. Servitude and submission to God triumph over rebellion and self-reliance. His kingdom is here now. But it hasn't yet come in all its fullness. And finally, as we, as we continue to pray, as we set our minds on praying and continuing to pray, we're called to be patient and faithful. And as we are, the God who outworks miracles every day in each of our lives will outwork the answering of every single prayer that we've offered up to him. We're called to be patient and faithful. You know, as Christians, <laughs> I think we often find ourselves called to wait. It's quite common. I feel it happens to me all the time. And I don't know about you, but I think this is one of the most difficult things to outwork. But patience is one of those fruits of the Spirit. And as so... We need to draw from his Holy Spirit to be patient. To be patient to see God's purposes outworked. When we ask him for things, to know that he hears our prayer and he will answer. You know, there are many influences that shape each of our day. But I wonder how many of our decisions that the Holy Spirit gets to shape. How many times do we look to the Holy Spirit for a decision in our day? I'm challenged with that very question. Because the Holy Spirit wants to join with you, to partner with you in seeing through your day. How many times do you get to the end, talking to myself, when you may not have even dialogued with the Holy Spirit? And you think, oh my goodness, I'm exhausted today. Actually, did I, did I actually, Lord, did I speak to you very much today? 
You know, I, I have this drive, I, I don't know about you, but I'm quite driven, that I often want things done quickly, efficiently, and with very little pain. I've got an agenda, right? This is all the things I need to get done today. And I come to God with my list, and I almost feel like I come to God as a business meeting. And I sort of say, God, you know, these are all my prayers, and uh, can I have that done by 2 o'clock, please? That one done by 10 o'clock, and, um, you know, and that one, well, okay, I'll give you a couple of weeks to do that one. You know, it's almost like I want all my prayers to be answered in 24 hours. And if they're not answered, I start to doubt God's faithfulness. You know, in fact, some of the prayers, subconsciously, without realizing it, I don't just want God to answer in 24 hours. I want them answered the moment I pray them. But God has a different time scale to me. I do like to challenge God's time scale, but, you know, when I do, I always lose. <laughs> he knows what's best for me, and he knows what's best for all of us. He is God, and he knows the bigger picture. And we see from Scripture time and time again that God's timing is not our timing. God's plans are not always our plans. You know, when you look at the Israelites, you know, God's plan that he should set them free, they prayed, they caught, cried out to him, and he answered their cry and he set them free and he brought them out of Egypt. But you know, it took them 40 years to cross a desert. You know, this desert, if you, crossed, if you walked across it, it would take you from one side to the other 11 days. How long did it take them? 40 years. You know, if I'd have prayed when I'd left Egypt or left, you know, um, the Egyptians and Pharaoh and prayed, God, get us to the promised land. You know, if I was a modern day, had my, you know, iPad out, right, God, it's going to take us 11 days. 12th day, I want to be, you know, let's move in. 40 years later, you'd have thought that prayer wasn't being answered, wouldn't you? But God's timing was not their timing. They had a lot to learn about their heavenly father before they went into the promised land. It's like they were slaves in Egypt and they had 40 years in which to learn what it meant to become the children of God, what it meant to be their his father who wants them to know what it means to be children and do be children, just be able to come to him, not to be slaves. We're not slaves. We're children. And it took them 40 years. You know, I, I also thought of Abraham and Sarah. You know, when God spoke to Abraham that he would become a great nation from his children and his children's children. And I think he must have thought, God, what's, what's going on here, you know? Well, where's the answer to this prayer? You know, Sarah was uh, 90 years old. You know, and from that promise to when Sarah got pregnant, it took 20 years. It's a long time to wait. You know, each of us are called to wait, be patient, and be faithful as we continue this journey of prayer together, as God's community praying into the purposes of God.
And I just want to finish with this. Prayer, I think, is the very key that underpins life itself for each and every one of us. The way we live, the, out, the way we outwork our lives. And I would encourage each of us to be a people who never cease praying. Never cease to pray. Whether it's your personal interaction with him, whether it's interceding and praying for those around us, whether it's praying into the purposes and the kingdom of God, never cease to pray. Never cease to know the joy of knowing Jesus. Never cease to express your faith thankfulness for who he is and what he's done for us. Let's continue to live in and through the Holy Spirit. Let's continue to draw from this unlimited resource that is God through his Holy Spirit. That we might know his continued flow of grace, his mercy, his faithfulness. And he is the one that delivers us each and every day. Delivers us from all evil in this present age. Let us never cease to pray. So, I don't know about you, but I very much want more of God's kingdom in my life, in my heart, in the lives of those around me. So I just want to pray for us that we would know more of hunger and thirst for that communion with God in prayer, but also to call on God for every aspect of our lives. And I just want to finish with these words from William Barclay, who was a Scottish preacher. He said this, When we pray, remember the love of God that wants the best for you. Remember the wisdom of God that knows what is best for you. And remember the power of God that can accomplish it. Lord Jesus, I thank you that we can come before you every single day with our thoughts, with our fears, with our anxiety, with things that we um, want to see outworked in your plan, in your purposes. And I thank you that you hear our prayers. And I just pray for each one of us here. Lord, that you will equip us, that you would build us up, that you will encourage us and that you would go with us from this place today, stirred, refreshed, encouraged that you are there, that any time, any place, anywhere, we can know you, God. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your presence here with us. Amen.